Hey there! Welcome to episode 77 of the Authors Read Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Ryan. Today's guest is Nina Montanu, and she'll read from her book, A Diary in the Age of Water. The book begins in the far future with a character, a blue water being called Keo, and it's called the library. Keo runs through the dying forest of the north, the last boreal forest in the world. The rain earlier this morning left the forest dripping with living moisture and saturated the air with a scent of giant conifers. Their fragrance is intoxicating, a fresh pungency that lingers like the smell of fresh water. The giant buttressed trees rise like pillars out of soggy ground. They push past the mixed hardwood canopy and pierce the mist, announcing the future. Lichen drips off branches and clothes the fibrous trunks in crenulated patterns. Moss covers everything. A filigree of green, silver, and russet plays in the breeze, dancing like a wild shadow. Tugged by the wind, Keo's hair flows behind her like a dark, turbulent river as she leaps over rough ground, her skirt flying. Her four dark blue arms stretch out for balance as she navigates the obstacle course of fallen trees, tall ferns, and horsetails. Already high in the sky, the sun is a large blushing orb that bathes everything in hues of pink. Nam calls it Gaia's heart light, a poem to heaven. Nam told her that the light was very different during the age of water, when the sun was sharper and shone brashly in a brilliant cerulean blue sky. Keo imagines this sky the startling blue color of Nam's winking eyes. Nam, like Keo's other mentors, only has two arms and flesh the color of the sand, not the electric blue of Keo's own skin. Despite their differences, she thinks of Nam like a mother and secretly wishes she looked like her older mentor. Keo stops for a moment to catch her breath and listen to the forest. Cardinals, robins, and thrushes warble and flute loudly as if complaining about destiny. Yet they are the interlopers. According to Mio, they took up permanent residence in the north when the climate warmed during the age of water. Renge taught her that light, sound, and matter are expressed at different frequencies, and some are only heard by the heart. All movement follows its own path, expressing its relationship with the world. Even things that aren't moving have a potential for rhythm. Internal clocks that beat their messages. Kyo runs on, gathering coherent waves of vibration, intent, and motion into one continuous and harmonious rhythm. She understands that rhythm embraces a fractal continuum that ranges from microscopic to cosmic proportions. Cell division aligns with the planet's circadian rhythms. Bees synchronize their flight with the phase of the moon. Planets and stars exert gravity and frequency on each other, resonating with the harmonic music of the spheres. 
her world flows in constant oscillation from high to low, particle to wave, light to dark, separating and uniting, creating and destroying, and back again, all through water. It is then that she feels her sisters the most, the other Kios, other blue beings like her, scattered over the world in small enclaves like hers. Each whispers a harmonic tone in a soft symphony of wisdom. Frequencies from all over the world carried in the coherent domain of water vapor to resonate through her interstitial water. They are waiting for her. She shares their eagerness for the exodus, but she also harbors a secret yearning for the past, as though some hidden part of her was lodged there, like a tendril of a vine reaching across time, seeking resolution, redemption even. What is holding her back in this drowning forest? It isn't the trees. There is always sadness in the end of things, but endings are also beginnings, Keo in Siberia whispers across the northern atmospheric river. We do not feel this Canadian sadness, Keos from Scandinavia chime in. Perhaps that part of us still clings to the mundane comfort of familiarity, given that the maple still stands strong in northern Canada. But Keo knows that is not true. The sugar maple has been migrating north, scrambling to keep up with the beach and realizing the native legend. Several are stunted, withholding the sap Keo loves so much. Many are yellowing at the tips of their leaves and showing bare insect-infested crowns. Soon the maple will drown in the swamps of the north. Keo understands that she is holding her sisters back with this selfish sentiment and preoccupation with a past and a people she has only dreamed of. How is it that she alone stands apart from the rest? It is not her lack of adventure or faith. She embraces her future. Nam calls her Sprite. An endearment, she knows but one based on Keo's curiosity and yearning for adventure. If her mentor knew of Keo's perverse and guilty obsession, she might call her something else, and certainly not with a wink. Keo involuntarily swallows down a truth and sits on a moss-covered boulder. She knows that her reluctance to leave has to do with the villainous water twins, who destroyed humanity because of their hatred for their own kind. She feels an unreasonable longing, as though a cord were tugging her back to them. The water twins were the first ones, the only ones from the water age, who had the power to instruct water. And they did so long ago, long before the new children of the forest learned how. The twins unleashed a wrathful Gaia with their alien technology, frequency generators, and shamanic potions. Keo has dreamed about most of it. Mio and Ho confirmed her vivid dreams about their historical documents. Why is she being plagued 
by accurate dreams of a time she has never experienced. Keo is convinced that the water twins somehow spawned the children of the forest, those like her. If not for the twins, she might be normal like the others. It is an outrageous supposition, yet she cannot shake it. The twins destroyed the world after all, like Shiva and Kali. The twins didn't look like the children of the forest who came much later after humanity had been all but extinguished. It is impossible that the twins could be connected to her. Yet that is exactly how Kyo feels. She desperately wants to believe that the water twins somehow did the right thing in causing the storms and eliminating humanity from the planet. She keeps dreaming that she is there with the humans, suffering as they suffered, until only a handful of females remained. Mio, who is far too forgiving, once suggested that the twins did it to heal both the planet and all life. Like a doctor removes a festering limb to heal the body. But how can you heal with hatred and disgust and destruction? And why is it so important to Keo? Keo stands up with a shrug. No matter. Today is the day she has been both dreading and anticipating for so long. Today she will finally learn some ecological history and make her personal atonement to Gaia who must prepare for a new age. And then she, Kyo, will transcend her current existence to make the exodus. Nam instructed her this morning to go to the Age of Water Library in the small beech maple grove for her last lesson. Nam has been like a mother to Kyo, tall and elegant, with wise maternal eyes, the color of deep water and carrying the scent and air of nature. It is time to let go, said her mentor. Time to devote yourself to and fuse your life with the mystic law of water. Time to learn about humanity's legacy, all that humans have learned and done to prepare for their journey with water. A journey that will ultimately take them all home. At the library, Keo is meant to choose a work or else be given one by Ho, the librarian. Keo will then commit it to memory before burning it and offering it in the waterkeeping ceremony, which will prepare them all for their final journey. Keo hopes she will be worthy of her choice. The door of the sacred library beckons through the dying sugar maple stand. It is a solid maple doorway embedded in a hillside covered in shrubs, ferns, and moss. It is hardly visible, except to one who knows where to look. Keo approaches the solid maple door. She knows which book she wishes to study. It is clearly ambitious of her. Ho will be cross with her for presuming such an undertaking. The textbook is over a thousand pages. It will take her at least six months to learn. Confident that she will convince the old librarian, Keo glances back at the forest of her birth and pulls in a deep breath, committing it to memory. Then she reefs open the heavy door 
and enters the place she will spend the rest of her life on Earth. I'd like to thank Nina for sharing her book with us today, and thank you for listening to the Author's Read podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Author's Read podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time!